Hey, this is Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com. This is Antiwar News for Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Alright, the first story at the top of Antiwar.com today, fourth round of U.S. strikes against the Houthis in Yemen. So the U.S. launched another round of missile strikes against the Houthis in Yemen, marking the fourth time the U.S. has bombed the country since last Friday. So within a week, the U.S. has bombed Yemen four times now. U.S. officials told AP that the strikes were launched from U.S. Navy warships and submarines, and the attack came after the Houthis, who are officially known as Ansar Allah, struck a U.S.-owned cargo ship with a drone in the Gulf of Aden. We'll get more into that in another story. So there were reports on social media that said strikes were reported in towns and cities across Houthi-controlled Yemen, including Hodeidah, which is at the port city, Sadah, Damar, and Al-Baida. So the Houthis control the capital, Sana'a, and territory where about 70 to 80% of Yemen's population lives. I know I make that point a lot, but I think it's important to drive home. Because a lot of people, if you look at the map, it might look like the Houthis only control a small amount of territory, but it's where most Yemenis live. U.S. Central Command later confirmed the strikes and claimed that it targeted 14 Houthi missiles that were loaded to be fired in Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen. The U.S. strikes in Yemen have significantly escalated the situation in the region as the Houthis have expanded the scope of their targets to American commercial shipping. The Houthis have shown no sign of backing down in the face of the U.S. military and have repeatedly stated that they won't stop targeting the Israel-linked commercial shipping until the slaughter in Gaza ends. And President Biden has actually come under what I think is significant criticism from some members of Congress about these strikes in Yemen saying they were unauthorized, unconstitutional, but that hasn't stopped him from continuing to bomb the country. All right, so the next one here, the U.S. redesignates the Houthis as specially designated global terrorists. So I went over this a little bit yesterday because this was expected to happen. So the Biden administration announced on Wednesday that they were redesignating the Houthis as this uh, specially, it's kind of a weird, uh, very wordy designation, specially designated global terrorists. And this could complicate aid deliveries in Yemen and make peace between the Saudis and the Houthis more difficult. President Biden lifted this designation on the Houthis in February 2021, as well as a foreign terrorist organization designation, which is a little different. And these were implemented by the Trump administration as part of one of his last foreign policy moves. And Biden came in and reversed it because aid groups were saying this is going to lead to famine in Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen because the foreign terrorist organization designation essentially criminalized the delivery of aid, where people are very reliant on aid and people have starved to death, uh, you know, throughout this war in Yemen. Um, so both of these designations come with economic sanctions, but the foreign terrorist organization designation is considered to be more harsh. So anyway, so they're just doing for now the specially designated global terrorist one, but these sanctions could still 
hamper aid deliveries and aid groups are are saying it's a bad move. The State Department said that the administration would issue exemptions for certain transactions related to the provision of food, medicine, and fuel, as well as personal remittances, telecommunications, mail, and port and airport operations. But even with exemptions, history has shown us time and time again that sanctions still scare away international companies and banks from doing business with the targeted nations or entities, and it still causes the shortages of medicine, food, and other basic goods. And in a place like Yemen, where people are so reliant on aid and in such kind of a a dire situation, these shortages could really uh, have a really horrific impact. So U.S. and British airstrikes in Yemen have already forced some aid groups to suspend services. And I know I've been covering this a lot lately, but just to really hammer at home the, this war that the U.S. backed against the Houthis from 2015 to 2022, still going on to some extent, but that was the, the bulk of the, of the bombing campaign and the blockade. So the U.S. supported this brutal Saudi-UAE war against the Houthis, and it killed 377,000 people, according to the U.N., and 60% died of starvation and disease caused by the siege, caused by the bombing campaign that targeted civilian infrastructure and the blockade. And these people have had relief since April 2022. There's been this ceasefire that's held relatively well. The blockade has not been fully lifted, but it has been eased, I think, to a significant degree. Um, But this might all be reversed now with the U.S. bombing Yemen and adding this designation. So this is the, the, the steps, the extremes that Biden is going here in what is now become a direct war with the Houthis. They say it's not, they, they don't want war, but this is war. And um, and then there's the, the, the chance that this could hurt the Saudi-Houthi peace deal. It could make it impossible to implement it. Just bad, bad, bad news. And um, the Houthis, of course, this is nothing, the terrorist designation to them. Um they say they're not going to back down regardless of this. If things do get tight economically in the area and, and you know, the Houthis are going to be all right. It's the civilians who are going to suffer. Uh, all right. So the next one here, Houthi attack, the Houthis attack a U.S. owned commercial ship in the Gulf of Aden. So this was before the U.S. launched those strikes. And this is the second American ship, commercial ship that the Houthis have targeted this week. And this is something new since the U.S. started bombing Yemen. The Houthis were not targeting American commercial shipping, but now they are. And Houthi military spokesman Yahya Saria said Houthi forces targeted the Genco Picardi, which is a bulk carrier owned by the New York City-based Genco Ship Management. He said that the attack resulted in direct hits on the ship. Officials told the Associated Press that the vessel was struck about 70 miles southeast of Aden, and was hit with a bomb-carrying drone. So again, this is in the Gulf of Aden. Uh, Saria said the attack was launched, quote, in support of the plight of the Palestinian people and in solidarity with our brethren in the Gaza Strip and within the framework of responding to American-British aggression on our country, end quote. Um, So, you know, I think we're just going to keep seeing this. It seems like this is going to become a regular thing. More shipping is going to be shut down going through the Red Sea. Um, Just the situation is just going to keep escalating. All right, so the next one here. Netanyahu says the Gaza slaughter 
may continue into 2025. So Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said Israel's brutal campaign in Gaza could continue into 2025. And this is according to a report from Israeli TV. Um, So we didn't, you know, there's no video or anything of Netanyahu saying this himself directly. This is based on an Israeli media report. And he said this during a meeting with local council chiefs from communities near the Gaza border. He told them that Israel's current assessment is that the operations in Gaza will continue into next year. Before the new year, if you remember, an Israeli military spokesman said Israeli forces would be fighting in Gaza for the entire year of 2024. And the Israeli slaughter has already killed over 24,000 Palestinians. I believe it's about 70% women and children. And more than 60,000 have been wounded in just over three months. Many more are expected to die of starvation and disease caused by the brutal siege, unless there's an immediate ceasefire and a major humanitarian relief effort. Um, So Netanyahu, of course, has the incentive to keep this thing going for as long as possible due to his political, uh, you know, he's in trouble politically. The Israelis want him out once this is over, and some U.S. officials are actually worried that Netanyahu might see provoking a major war in Lebanon as key to his political survival. So the next one here, Israel buys tech for mass influence operations. So this article is from Kyle Anzalone at the Libertarian Institute, and it's about Israel's propaganda war. So Israel has acquired systems that are designed to manage online discussions. Tel Aviv hopes the new technology can can improve its sagging image, especially in the U.S. I would say Israel has definitely been losing the propaganda war uh, really for the first time, you know, to this level. While Israel has been firmly backed by President Biden, many of his supporters from 2020 are turning against him in 2024 due to his support for the onslaught in Gaza. So... Kyle just mentions how, you know, it it really is something that what Israel is doing in Gaza can be seen by everybody. You have these Palestinian journalists going around posting pictures and videos on social media of just the devastation, dead children, kids being pulled out of the rubble. I mean, you see this and you you think why are we involved? Why is the US supporting this? What what's happening here? How can this be justified in any way possible? So, in response to this uh, you know, Israel losing the narrative, they have acquired a program to help manage its online reputation. Uh, Haaretz, the Israeli paper, reported that Israel has responded to its clear loss to Hamas on the digital battlefield by making its first ever purchase of a technological system capable of conducting mass online influence campaigns. According to numerous sources with knowledge on the matter, the system can, among other things, automatically create content tailored to specific audiences. The outlet reports that Israel acquired multiple programs, <clears throat> excuse me, including a system for mapping online audiences, a system capable of automatically creating websites, among other things, as well as content tailored to specific audiences, a system for monitoring social media and messaging platforms and others. Uh, fearing that mass influence system also reflects negatively on the user, Israel purchased the systems via intermediaries. So they're trying to make this, uh, do this on the down low, but I guess uh, it's it's not a secret anymore. Um, 
and they're kind of conflating. It, it says that Israel's trying to reduce anti-Zionist, anti-Semitic stuff, and they're how they're conflating, you know, criticism of their war with anti-Semitism, um, which is completely ridiculous. And that's part of their narrative, and you see that from a lot of. Uh, their defenders in the U.S. especially. You always get smeared with that label, anti-Semite. All right, so the next one here. Um, Israel pummels Khan Yunus damaging field hospital. So this article is from Middle East Eye. And no relief for the people on the ground in Gaza. The airstrikes are continuing relentlessly. Uh, the Jordanian army on Wednesday accused Israel of a flagrant breach of international law after its field hospital in southern Gaza's Khan Yunus was badly damaged by Israeli overnight shelling. This came after Israeli forces heavily shelled and bombed the vicinity of Nasser Hospital, the main medical facility in Khan Yunus on Tuesday night, killing at least 23 people. A Palestinian taking shelter with his family in the hospital described a night of terrorist of terror and chaos as Israeli jets and tanks pummeled areas nearby. Mohammed Rami, a father of three, said many families taking shelter in tents in hospitals, yards, and the nearby Austrian district were forced to flee late at night, fearing the hospital would be raided or bombed. Um, So Israeli tanks came within meters of the Jordanian military field hospital near the Nasser Hospital retreated on Wednesday morning, according to eyewitnesses. Despite the Israeli retreat, artillery shelling and gunfire continue to be heard uh, in the area. Several children were among those killed as dozens of homes were leveled by Israel's multi-pronged attack from air and land. So a cemetery was raised as well. Residents say Israel fo- Israeli forces raised a cemetery in the Austrian district and stole several bodies. Middle East Eye has re- reached out to the Israeli military for comment. Palestinians in southern Gaza fear that the attacks around Nasser Hospital were a prelude to a wider assault on the facility, similar to the targeting of Al Shifa Hospital in the north early, uh, not early, in the north last year. Um, elsewhere, over the past 24 hours, Israeli bombardment killed Palestinians in Jabalia and Bet Hanun in the north, according to the Wafa news agency. So, Israeli forces killed at least 163 Palestinians and wounded 350 more across the Gaza Strip over the past 24 hours. And this was reported on Wednesday, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry. Um, So it's continuing at a very intense phase, even though you see the Israelis talking about winding things down a bit. And I saw reports, I'm going to look more into this tomorrow, uh, reports of that in the north where Israeli forces were pulling out, now Hamas is kind of retaking territory and and uh i gotta look into that more and it sounds like they're firing rockets and stuff from there as well all right so where are we here the next one israel pounds southern lebanon with airstrikes and artillery so this article is from jason ditz continuing the escalation of israel's war against the surrounding area israeli warplanes attacked the southern lebanese village of wadi saluki an attack which blanketed the area with strikes and involved the use of artillery fire as well as white phosphorus. As usual, Israel attempted to justify the attack by claiming Hezbollah military infrastructure was concealed in the area and that weapons were probably stored there. So Wadi Saluki, which is the the neighborhood, is the the town, is further north than places Israel normally attacks. Um, 
It was the target of Israeli ground invasions in the 2006 Lebanon War. And regarding a potential ground invasion, Major General Ori Gordon, the head of Israel's Northern Command, reported that ground troops had actually operated inside Lebanon, uh, some sort of special forces operation, and that tens of thousands of troops were actively training to participate in a Lebanon offensive. So it's more threats from the Israeli military. And if you look at this story um, from the Jerusalem Post, they're saying that Israeli special forces operated within Lebanon. So that's very concerning because that's a huge escalation. And they have these, uh, you know, there's been all these reports with U.S. officials basically saying that they think Israel's trying to provoke a war in Lebanon. And here we just have escalation after escalation. Uh, But and instead of, you know, threatening to cut Israel off, the U.S. is still going to provide them with unconditional military aid, basically no matter what they do. So just, you know, there's it seems like this escalation is just inevitable almost. Um, so just an area really to keep an eye on. I, I've been kind of neglecting the, the Lebanon situation myself. I need to pay more attention to it, I think. All right, so the next one here, Israeli forces kill nine Palestinians in the West Bank in, in strikes. So this is from Middle East Eye as well. And it says Israeli forces killed nine Palestinians in drone strikes in the occupied West Bank on Wednesday morning as the military carried out a raid in the city of Tolkarm. The airstrike in Tolkarm refugee camp, which comes amid an ongoing military raid in the city, killed four Palestinians in the al Taman neighborhood, according to the Palestinian Health Ministry. The Israeli military prevented ambulances from entering the camp, according to the Palestine Red Crescent Society. Um, The attack took place hours after another air attack killed five people near Balata refugee camp in Nablus. A large contingent of Israeli forces stormed the city and camp of Tolkarm at dawn on Wednesday. Military vehicles, tanks, and bulldozers attacked on three fronts. The military surrounded the camp, blocking all the entrances. Um, So these are more, you know, if this happened before October 7th, this would be a huge deal, this this size of raid in the West Bank. But these have become normal as well. Um, And it's just another area that, that could explode. All right. So the next one here, Iraq and Pakistan protest Iranian missile strikes. So... Shortly after Iran uh, launched the missile strikes in Iraq and Syria, they also bombed some targets in Pakistan, and Pakistan is not happy about it. Uh, it's it's kind of a big deal, uh, This th- these Iranian strikes in Pakistan. So anyway, uh, I'll read this story. Iraq and Pakistan are both protesting Iranian missile strikes that targeted their territories in recent days as Tehran is defending the attacks. Iran said that strikes it launched in Pakistan targeted Jayesh al adil a Sunni, a Sunni Muslim militant group that operates across the Iran-Pakistan border and has a history of conducting terrorist attacks inside Iran. Most recently, the group took responsibility for a December 15th attack on a police station in Iran's southeastern city of Rask that killed 11. So that is near this border area. Uh, Islamabad strongly condemned the Iranian strikes in Pakistan and said that two children were killed. Pakistan's foreign ministry said, quote, Pakistan strongly condemns the unprovoked violation of its airspace by Iran, which resulted in death 
of two innocent children while injuring three girls. The violation of Pakistan's sovereignty is completely unacceptable and can have serious consequences, end quote. So Pakistan, which is a nuclear-armed state, they got nukes, uh, they've also recalled their ambassador to Iran over the strikes. So Iran's foreign minister defended the strikes on Wednesday while speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. He said, quote, none of the nationals of the friendly and brotherly country of Pakistan were targeted by Iranian missiles and drones. The so-called Jaish al adil group, which is an Iranian terrorist group, was targeted, end quote. So Iran has said that its strikes in Iraq that were launched on Monday targeted alleged Mossad bases in Erbil, which is part of the northern Kurdistan region, and they did this likely in retaliation for Israel killing a senior Iranian military officer in Syria. That happened pretty recently. Israel is known to have intelligence operatives and assets in this area of Iraq, and U.S. officials have acknowledged that Iran struck a Mossad facility there back in 2022, but both the Baghdad-based government and the local Kurdish government said that the Monday attack, the, this attack, k- killed civilians. So Iraqi Prime Minister Mohammad Shia al-Sudani said the Iranian strikes were clear aggression against Iraq, and al-Sudani and the Prime Minister of the Kurdistan region, Masrur Barzani, canceled planned meetings with Iranian officials that they were going to have in Davos. Iraq also recalled its ambassador to Iran for consultations over the attack. So Iraq has also faced several rounds of U.S. airstrikes since mid-October, when Shia militias began targeting U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria over President Biden's support for the Israeli slaughter in Gaza. And al-Sudani has strongly condemned those strikes and says that he wants the U.S., to leave, but the U.S. does not seem like they want to they go anywhere. Um, so we'll see how things develop between Iran and Pakistan. There's been some other reports of attacks on the border from this uh, terrorist group. Um, but we'll see what happens there. And, you know, Iraq just always seems to, I shouldn't laugh, but they always end up getting bombed in between these, you know, when the U.S. and Israel and, and Iran are kind of fighting through proxy iraq always ends up the one uh getting bombed um all right so the next one here zelensky pushes his unrealistic peace formula in davos in a speech at the world economic forum ukrainian president volodymyr zelensky reiterated his opposition to a ceasefire with russia and pushed his peace formula which involves several unrealistic demands to end the war So Zelensky's plan, I haven't talked about this in a while, but this is still what he's pushing. It involves, well, it requires a full Russian withdrawal from the territory that it captured since February 2022. It involves Russia giving up Crimea, war crimes tribunals, and Russia paying reparations to Ukraine. So all that has to happen uh, for for this peace deal, so-called peace deal. And Kiev has no chance at implementing any of this since the counteroffensive has failed and now Ukraine's forces are focused on defense and facing manpower shortages. Western aid is drying up. They're just, he's just not in any position to be putting something like this out there. But despite that reality on the ground, Zelensky's peace formula has received backing from the U.S. and other Western nations. He said that there was a meeting in Switzerland when, and that 
More than 80 countries were represented about his uh, peace formula. And Switzerland's president said that she offered Zelensky for Switzerland to hold a peace summit to bring an end to the war in Ukraine. That, that sounds good, right? And this this happened the other day. And the headline was, Zelensky asks Switzerland to host a peace summit. So people said, oh, well, that'd be good, right? Maybe this thing could finally end. But the big asterisk there is that Russia is not going to be invited. And Zelensky's going to be basically the point of this peace summit. There's been similar summits. It, the point is for Ukraine to try to get other countries to support their this idea, this peace formula uh, that's never going to be implemented in any form. Um, but Zelensky, this is still what he's pushing. Again, despite the reality on the ground, despite the 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 losses, the the, the people being killed and dying for you know no territory at all that they gained in this counteroffensive, and this is still. This, you know, there was that report in Time Magazine a few months ago that that quoted an aide to Zelensky and basically said he's delusional, said that he deludes himself into thinking Ukraine can win. And putting forward a plan like this, is, you know, shows that he is delusional. All right. So that's it for the news for today. Please go check out our viewpoints. We have one from Justin Amash. The war powers resolution is not what you think it is. One from Daniel McAdams, our friend from the Ron Paul Institute. Uh, titled Killing the Messenger, and it's about the death of Gonzalo Lira, the American citizen who died in a Ukrainian prison, who was jailed for his political views. One from Thomas Pally, Israel's genocide, U.S. assistance, and consequences thereof. One from Patrick Theros, who's the superpower around here? And one from James Carden, Anthony Blinken is overrated, <laughs> and I would agree with that. Um, but that's everything for me for today. You could always support this show just by sharing it, telling your friends about antiwar.com, liking, subscribing, commenting on YouTube. I appreciate all the interaction. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, uh, what's today? So there's one more show this week. So that means I'll be back tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>